Welcome to Purpose Matters. I'm your host, Steve Edward. And today, this is our premiere episode with my guest today, Mr. Denis Suryo, Chief Human Strategist and Global Executive Coach with over 27 years of experience in the corporate world in banking and telecommunications. An executive coach since 2009 for executive for multinational companies and Indonesian corporations. But Denny, uh, welcome to the show. All right, thanks, Steve. I'm, uh, first of all, I just want to congratulate you. This is your first debut on your podcast. Thank you. So I'm, I'm, I'm very honored that I'm, I'm your first guest here in your, in your debut. So I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Really looking forward to this as well. So, Padani, to your, to your audience, uh, tell us more about yourself. Well, you know, um, I guess uh, if you going back to uh, where I was, I, I you know, I, I was born in London. Actually, I'm Indonesian, but I was born right. in London, and uh, I grew up uh, most of my life in Europe and in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. was basically um, I I was coming in and out. Uh, I did my elementary school all the way up to my junior high, and um, and then I moved to Europe. And then things started to open up for me quite a lot. Um, different languages, different educational systems, and different, you know, people were also kind of different. But mm. what was also something which is multicultural with me was that um, I had to go back to my home country, Indonesia, uh, after right. many years and after graduating from the university. And that was like my really, really my first exposure into my own culture having been away for so long and even at the time when I graduated with a BA I was looking for a job and I could not find any job at all because they all wanted to you know they were impressed with my English but my Indonesian was really bad all and right. so they didn't want to accept me because I did not have or I had very little knowledge of my Indonesian language all right so yeah that, that was to me was kind of traumatic and you know I, and I had to prove to my parents I could be on my own after I graduated from college and so forth mm. so uh, fast forward that I um, I eventually got acclimated and got adjusted to the culture and I sp spoke the language mostly in my uh, my working knowledge and so a, a consulting company back then it was called Price Waterhouse they didn't have Coopers so it was just called Price Waterhouse, and they hired me, and so I started to accelerate my uh, my career at the mm -hmm. age of what was that? I was 24, 25 at that age. I was it was it was great, you know. Um, right. I was paid a salary, um, and at that time I had a boss who only wanted to speak in English. He was Indonesian, oh, really? so that was great. So I didn't have to worry about my bahasa. And he had given me a lot of interesting tasks, assignments. I was traveling quite a lot. And at the point of time, at the age of 25, maybe 26, they started talking about me being a partner in a firm. And that was just like, that. I did not expect that at all. And so I started to work really hard at it. And so because I was so ambitious and the fact that my boss, who was a partner back then, said, "Hey, Denny, you got a you know get a chance to be a very young partner here in our organization. How does that sound to you?" And I said, "Wow, that was really great." So I really worked worked my ass off, and um, and it costed my my health. Oh, really? And I collapsed. Was there the emergency room? And I thought it was just going to be a day or two. But it turned out it was a three-month affair. I was there with the IV, and I lost, I think I must have lost, like, close to seven kilos, eight kilos. I forgot how much that is in pounds, but I was, like, skinny bones. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost gave up my life. And I said, oh, my God, and if I don't get healed soon, that's it. You know, I, I'm still young. Right and afford to do this. So I started looking, um, you know, I was angry at, at everybody. Mm -hmm. I was angry at the, you know, um, you know, I'm ashamed to admit it, but even the creator, I mean, I was angry at everybody. But then I started to shift my paradigm and I said, why should I be angry? 
You know, if I get angry all the time and there's no way that I can heal myself. So when I said, well, what I don't, why don't I start praying? <laughs> that might help. Uh, why don't I just ask for his help and get myself cured? So I started getting pretty religious and getting more into spiritualism, although by birth I'm Muslim, but I didn't really know how to go about doing it. So I met an uncle who was, to my mind, who's very spiritual, who knows a lot about religion and all about faith and all that. So I started le learning about that while I was in my, in my, um, my, on my hospital bed. And that really helped me a lot. And he brought me into the future. What was that to become? And at that time, uh, opening up my awareness was something that was, you know, at age of 26, I thought, wow, I've got a lot of things to offer in this world. I've got a lot of things to, to help. So from then on, um, and then my mother also, who was, you know, who came every day and she was always by my side and giving me hope. And she said, Denny, you should become an ambassador like your dad. You should become a diplomat, you know, because you've, you've, you've got what it takes. And I thought, yeah, maybe I should, right? So anyway, I, I did get healed. And after that, after not working with the company for three months, I decided not to, uh, to work with that company anymore. So I quit <laughs> simply because I needed a sabbatical. I needed to kind of reflect. So I did, I did my master's and I got accepted in a program with Boston University. But this was, was in Brussels in Belgium because my parents were there. My dad was an ambassador there. So I said, well, maybe I can just kind of take a sabbatical, you know, leave and just right. reflect upon that. So at one point, I decided to travel to Paris from Brussels. So I took a car and I traveled down to, Brus uh, to Paris. And I sat there at the Champs-Élysées overlooking at the Arc de Triomphe or the, you know, the, this, uh, it wasn't the, uh, the Eiffel Tower, it was the Arc de Triomphe. And I kind of reflected and I said, you know, this was built, this monument was built for, for triumph or for victory. Of course, it was com commemorating a lot of the uh, veterans there, but, you know, it, it survived the First World War. I mean, the Napoleon War and the, the First World War and the Second World War. I don't know if you know the history, Steve, but back then it was when the, the, the German soldiers were, walk, were marching, right? Oh, really? It was yeah. like a yeah. big disgrace to the French people. But anyway, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, after, after a while, then, you know, uh, World War II was, was, you know, the Germans were defeated. But it was a, it was a, a symbol for me of, 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 uh, of heroism, triumphant, and winning. And I said to myself, that's it. That's what I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to, I am going to be, I don't know when, but I've declared myself that I am going to go out there and help people to be triumphant, whatever they want their life, and to be able to, be able to find out what they, what their true purpose in life is. Even though I didn't know what my purpose was <laughs> life right. at, that, at that time, yeah. but I have already declared myself not knowing by the age of, when was that, 48 or something like that, 49, uh, I decided that I was going to become a coach. Where that declaration back when I was oh, right. the age of 26 yeah. happened. So, yeah, Steve, you know, sometimes when you declare yourself, when you immediately had um, proclaimed to the world, to the universe, that you are going to be somebody, it might not come right away, but it'll come sooner or later um, down the road in your life. And right. 27 years working for multinationals, working for uh, banks. I've worked for many banks. I worked for, um, you know, the biggest telecommunication company in Indonesia. And it still is now. And uh, having that corporate experience was the one that had led me to become a coach later on mm. in, in, my, uh, in my early 50s, early 50s. Early 50s, sorry. Early sorry. 50s, but it, it, it brought me that kind of um, advantage because of that corporate experience. Mm, right, right. Danny, I actually want to touch on something. You mentioned that you were, when you were, well, when was it? When you were 26 or 27, you were on the hospital bed? Uh, 
Yeah, like, 25, 26, yeah. What really, yeah. like, what did you learn on the hospital bed that really moved you forward? Yeah, sometimes we need to know our capacity. I, I get it that a lot of people saying, you know, you got to do something and, and until you finish it, right? But then mm -hmm. if your body cannot take it, if your body is not adapted or maybe if the body is just exhausted because of that, then I am more inclined to what Brendan Burchard is, you know, this book. And, um, you know, I really highly recommend that book, book, that book, High Performance Habits. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have it in front of me. <laughs> this one right here. I have it. Uh, it's been it's borrowed right now. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, he says habit number one, seek, seek clarity. And I did not know this at the time, but it makes sense now that I've read his book. Seek clarity was for me very clear at the time when I, after I was hospitalized and I sat down and just kind of looked at something and then all of a sudden Eureka right there, you know, the aha moment for me was that, you know, I want to help people seek clarity in their lives. Right. to seek what their purpose in life but I didn't know how. But it didn't really matter. But then habit two comes in, generate energy. And, and here, when you talk about generate energy, I mean, you have to have that energy, you know. And if you don't have that energy, I know sometimes we get carried away, and I got carried away so much that it cost my health, that right. it cost my health. Because um, here, you know, when, um, when Brendan Burchard talks about generate energy, he talks about, releasing tension and set intention bring the joy and optimize health so you need to have that optimized health uh, to be able to move forward mm. so that that's something i thought i'd share with you yeah i actually want to know like because at the end of age of 26 it was like very young like how how far were you pushing yourself well you know it it uh my boss triggered the fact that he said that i could become a uh he can be, that I can become a partner. Can, can you mm -hmm. imagine, you know, a company like Price Waterhouse? I mean, to become a partner in uh, in a national firm, I mean, and to be one of the youngest one at that time. And even there was, I had a, an, a senior uh, Australian partner. He even said, you know, you have all the potential and what it takes. And so I said to myself, well, maybe I should start proving to them that I could do it. But then what happens was that I put in a lot of effort into that and it just stressed me out that three months of it was just down the drain in terms of productivity and I didn't, you know, and, and it was just not doing it. If, had I really looked at managing my energy and managing my time at the same time, right. now that I know 15, 20 years later, mm -hmm. I probably would have made it as a partner, but then I would probably not be where I am right now. Maybe, you know, my, my life will be different. Who knows? Mm, right. I, I mean, if you're a partner, I, I don't see, I don't think it's going to, you're going to be a business coach, right? Like in this track. Uh, it could be a distraction. Maybe I'll be fully committed into that thing and then have to even prove myself into the next level. And I might not even enjoy it, right? Mm. I might not even enjoy working for the company or working for the firm. I don't know. I mean, PricewaterhouseCoopers is a great company. Um, I, I, even during my uh, time at corporate, when I was a, um, when I was doing uh, corporate secretary and investor relations for one of the biggest uh, companies in Indonesia, we hired Pricewaterhouse, both as an auditor and even at one time uh, flipping themselves, uh, you know, uh, flipping the other role when they become a consultant for me, you know, so, or for, for our company at that time. So, so. Um, that, that helped, you know, to kind of transition. <laughs> All right. All right. And, you know, how did you become a coach, actually? Uh, how did that get started from having the vision of, from the clarity to actually becoming a coach? How did that turn out? Yeah, you know, I, um, I came in into a company at that time where I was hired professionally, but the internal culture of that company did not accept me. Okay, because I came in into a quite a high position and I over I overstepped a lot of the levels. You know, there were people there who were there for 25 years and 30 years and some of them were even older than I was. 
And all of a sudden, you know, I just, I came in there at a high level position and people (laughs) did not like that a lot. Right. And so there was, um, there was also the, uh, the unions, there was the unions who were pretty much against me being higher there in, in position at the high level. So at that time, I needed to talk to somebody. I needed to have coaching. And I knew coaching was, was a thing because when I started reading books about highly successful people, they all had a coach behind them. And I said, well, really? maybe I needed a coach. All so right. I, um, I asked the director of HR at that time, Human Resources, and I said, uh, can, I, can, I get my, can I get a coach? I mean, is there a coaching program? And at that time, uh, in the early 2000s and maybe mid-2000s, People never heard of it. They only heard about really? coaching in the sports profession. Oh. But at the time, in Indonesia in particular, hey, they had no idea what is a coach. It, you know, they only hired coaches if you were in, uh, in soccer or, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, a golf coach, you know, a golf pro mm. and all that. I mean, they had coaches, but executives? No, you go out and train. You go out to INSEAD or you go to Harvard take a program. I said, no, that's not what I want. I've had those things in the past. That's not going to help me uh, to transform. I want something, you know, to transform from where I am to where I want to be. And so that's where the coaching thing came on. And so they didn't want to pay for coaching. So I had to come out of my own pocket. So I started searching through the internet and start emailing people. And I started, um, you know, scouting for a good coach and i i got this one lady who's from uh who's from uh, boulder colorado well she lives about a couple no not a couple but miles away from boulder but that's the closest place and so and we started skyping each other and and since then i was like six months to a year into the program and my career just took off and um and my in my capacity as being like head of investor relations were I was like one of the best investor relations in Indonesia at the time really? for a company that was, was the highest market cap. So I started getting awards and all this sort of thing. So, so I know coaching works, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I yeah. Started, and, and I know coaching works. And then all of a sudden, in the third year, she says, Denny, why don't you become a coach? He said, you, you, you know, you might be good at this. So I said, okay, mm. um, I tried, but I have no confidence I, I love being coached, but being coached for somebody else, it took me about maybe two years after that uh, since I started getting really serious about it. Mm, all right. And, you know, through <laughs> coaching, what do you think like has really transformed you from where you were to where you want, wanted to be? Yeah. So um, there was a lot of things that I didn't know what I know. Right. So it was this unconscious competence kind of thing. And so my coach took me to a level of, not knowing what my competency level to a level of awareness and being conscious about it. And that really was an eye opener for me. And that gave me the confidence to be, you know, 10 Xing where I was. And I work really on my strengths. I work smarter now compared that to my, my early <laughs> days, I was working right. harder, but not smarter, but now I'm working smarter and harder, but not, at a point of exhaustion, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, uh, so that, that kind of leveraged me. So a coach really would, would, would take something which can, you know, for one, from, uh, from a person taking years of it and then kind of compressing that into maybe just a few months or maybe just within a year. So that's really a, a, a fast track of, of getting things uh, to where I am be. So that definitely, definitely had, um, had a, create a huge impact, huge, huge impact on me. Right, right. Especially something that you mentioned, like if you don't know what you know, like that hidden competence. I can definitely relate to that when actually this is mm. when, when we first met, when you first brought that up. Yeah. After I left, I actually had that thought, like you don't know what you, what you know. And if yes. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised of what some of the things that you told about me because I thought it was very normal and, I, and through somebody else's perspe- perspective, it was like, wait, that is not normal. And I've kind of, <laughs> <laughs> from that point, I kind of have actually more confidence in myself and I really believe myself a lot more. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I really appreciate. I mean, you're you're a long, young lad, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're still going to university. You haven't even graduated yet, and yeah. you're doing a podcast, and you're interviewing people who have a way ahead, you know, in years. And right. uh, you know, that's your what you don't know, what you, what you're good at, and you are good at uh, starting things. So uh, yeah, yeah, I applaud for you, Steve, for for doing this initiative. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. So you know when. You, as a coach right now, when you coach executives, what what are like the, the things that they usually struggle with or what do you see so common? Yeah, you know, I've been doing this, um, I guess 11 years now and I've met so many executives, you know, very, very much at uh, high level positions. And you'd be surprised, a lot of them go for coaching because they've just reached a plateau in their career. They're successful. You know, they've managed billions of dollars. They've, they've got, you know, accolades. They, they've got years behind them. They're successful in terms of, you know, they, they, a lot of them are six figure and some of them are seven figure, you know, earners and all that. And, and, and they've got all the trappings of success. And that's exactly it. These trappings of success does not provide fulfillment a lot of them are stuck at their success it's kind of weird but you know their mindset is like what do i do now that i'm successful you know and and i you know everything to me is a fake it's just it's too easy that's it's it's their mindset the mindset says Mm. it's just too easy I, I live in a nice home. I've got a lot of these cars. I even have a hobby car, you know, cause I can afford it. I can travel all around and people look up to me and, um, you know, they see me as a, somebody who is like a, an icon. And, but now what do I do? You know, I'm bored. Can it's like empty, that? right? It's like, it's empty. It's not fulfilled. Mm. Right. And the more they, they do something, they work harder to something, but then they ask themselves, for what? For what? You know? And this is a dilemma for a lot of the executives. And this is what we see time and time again, even for celebrities, uh, even like uh, sports stars. They reach a certain, I mean, even um, at a point of time, you've got like somebody at Tiger Woods at a, at a young age had reached his plateau. And, uh, and, and he's got this addiction, right? And a lot of these people have these addictions and they've got these habits, very, very bad habits, simply because they're trapped into their success and they get bored and they want to do something that excites them. But they do it in, in a way that actually uh, hurts them. They're, it hurts their career. You know? and, and, and a lot of them you know, have, you know, privately, they have mistresses, they do things, they get into drugs, they do things that supposedly enrich the lives, but it's not. It's bringing them down. I don't know if you remember this uh, legendary singer, you know, Elvis Presley. Legendary yeah, yeah. Elvis Presley. Yeah, I've Elvis heard his Presley. Story. Yeah, Elvis Presley. You know, if you look at his his biography and his um, how he was in his life, you know, he was very young. He went up. He sang. I mean, he loved singing. He he loved acting and all that. But then at a point in time lived in, in uh, Palm Springs and he starts looking around and he says, is this all it is to it, you know? And so he gets into these really weird habits about eating a lot, you know, and he, mm-hmm. he gets, he hangs around with the wrong people. He ran, hangs around with the mafia and, you know, he takes his uh, gun and starts shooting on his TV sets. You he know? shoots his cars. <laughs> yeah, and he shoots yeah. his cars and all of a sudden, you know, he gets overweight, you know, he doesn't look as sexy anymore. He's got a pot belly and it's just, his, his, his world just goes down and it happens to everybody. You look at all the mm. successful singers, rock stars, you know, uh, movie stars, uh, musicians, you name it, uh, executives, executives are the same way. So it's a good thing that, you know, they, they acknowledge this and they're willing to coach and a lot of them are looking for that next level. And so that's where I bring a lot of their awareness around that. Right. 
And sometimes I bring, I talk, we talk about pain. We talk about pain. So how long are you going to be like this? How, how, what's that's going to cost you? Right. And, um, mm. Mm. and you said you want to leave a legacy. Can you really leave a, leave a legacy? If you're going to be living the life that you're living right now. So, you know, I, 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 what I do is I challenge them. I put them on the edge. I ask them a lot of these tough questions, you know, that challenge them because that's what my coach did to me <laughs> because that's, right. that's what my coach did to me. And, 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 uh, in retrospect, and this is what I do with, with the executives as well. I ask them tough, challenging questions and it's kind of tricky because in the early part of my coaching career, you know, these are guys who are, who are well, established you know they're well successful you know 10 right, times right, yeah. more yeah. than i am and here i am yeah. yeah and who am i to ask these questions to them and challenge them but it took a lot of conviction you know i mm. kind of not fake it but i had to <coughs> i had to act the part until it becomes part of me mm, right right so yeah. with a lot of conviction to talk to them right absolutely right. you you have to be very very comfortable in talking to them right and you know how long did that took until you were actually comfortable to talk to them like at that level well you know this is the thing with coaching my wife says i'm the most terrible listener <laughs> i don't <laughs> listen as well uh, i have to admit it i don't listen as well because i always think you know because i'm always thinking okay when somebody's talking then i'm always i'm already thinking ahead of something i'm not really listening to the person so it took me years to just practice the basic skills of listening. Really? So I, I had to go through years and years of exercise. You know, I just give you like something I want to share with you, Steve. I had to walk in a garden for like an hour and just notice whatever that's in the garden. Like Wait, flowers, like the grass, the tree, the figs. You know the color of some of the some of the uh, flowers i had to look at you know where was the sun actually beaming how big was the beam you know what area i had to look at the all the bees i had to look at all the birds the squirrels you know every single thing mm -hmm. and that alone having done that for months and months even until years of it was the one that had given me the skill to listen to people more and mm. people realize it when they do that it sounds like so, being mindful right yes it is being mindful i had to be centered i had to be in what in coaching they call it presence this coaching presence was one of the things that i was taught uh and that really helped me in my, my coaching career by listening to them and then just feeling them not only listening but then the next level is just kind of be tune into their vibration tune into their frequency to their emotions so we can understand where they're coming from so that was like one of the basic skills that i learned was just just to listen yeah it's i think it's something that i learned in sales as well like the first more most important thing to to really listen understand the other person right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly okay. right right and um and not be distracted not just distracted from the environment around you but just distracted from your internal dialogue can you imagine hmm. i mean your <laughs> thoughts are just generating you know it's just continuous internal life that i have to shut it off and that takes a lot of discipline that is probably the most difficult aspect is not to listen to your internal dialogue and start listening to the pr person in front of you Right, it's kind of like flowing with a conversation with whatever it is that the other person is saying, right? Exactly, and 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 it's just to try to pick up some keywords, and and understand in between those keywords, in in between what is behind that, what is behind that, and what is behind that. So if a person says, "I'm, I'm not leading my team, I'm not a good leader," so why are you not a good leader? And I take it to the to the tenth level, sometimes you know, mm. <laughs> just trying to, just trying to peel. What is it behind that? What is it behind that and all that? 
And right. I, I, you know, I could be hours and hours just listening to somebody like that. Yeah. And sometimes I'd be doing this like five times a day, six times a day. Wow. Would, somebody would think, yeah. And some people would think you must be exhausted. But I said, no, Hey, this is what I do. This is my part of me. This is what I do for a living. Mm. Yeah. Right. And when you get to somebody's core, you know, you mentioned like there's like a pattern for a plateau for executive mm -hmm. or even singers, very successful people. Like what does it end up being the solution for them like, or like the first step for them? Yeah. Something which I want to, you know, basically what I want to do is to take them into the level of fulfillment. So what does fulfill them, you know, even if they're at that level, because this, this is what I, you know, it mostly the, the, the traditional success, right? All the traditional success that we all, we all know, both material and non-material. The traditional success does not create fulfillment. And fulfillment is something that gives you joy, that gives you a degree of satisfaction, mm. right? And and sometimes it is non it is non-measurable. It's something which is not measured. You, you cannot measure fulfillment. You cannot measure joy. There's just no way. You just have to experience it. So what I have to do is to bring that level into a, a quantum kind of continuous leap upwards rather than letting them go down downwards. So if that is it, then I have to take them to the future them. I have to take them to who do they want to be in the future. Now, a future can be a year. It could be two years. It could be five years. It could be 10 years from now. Right. That's what happened to me. It took me maybe 25 years or so yeah. to be where I am now. But it was something that I had already envisaged myself very, at a very early age. So this is where I wanted to take them. It's that world. And what would that look like? How do they feel? How would they react? How are they going to show up in this world? Who are they going to relate to? What, what, what are they going to be doing like day to day? What is their life like? And so that, that gives them that inspiration to go for. And then we kind of reverse engineer that into mm. goals milestones and, you know that. after like being an executive what is it their next step you know is it like building a legacy or is it just being grateful for what they've achieved it um from all the people that i've talked to as my coaching clients every one of them is different in terms of what it is there is a common theme Although that's probably not the majority of it, but there is a common theme around that. But everyone's purpose in life, mission and goals are different from, from each other. A lot of them are, you know, I've got somebody, I had somebody who is, who is a coachee and, and she just wants to um, live in the forest. Really? And just do, um, and she's a managing director in Singapore for a large company, US-based firm managing director and her her fulfillment is just i don't want to become you know or i don't want to do this the rest of my life i want to basically help people and i have a calling to live in the jungles of indonesia and in borneo wow <laughs> she left singapore for borneo to live in the jungle yep yep and she wants to do that that is interesting yep. right mm -hmm. And I have somebody who just wants to um, do, I think it's a chicken or it's a, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's not goat, not sheep. Um, I know the French word is mouton. <laughs> what is it? In, <laughs> goat. It's goat. Goat. Oh, all right. Goat, goat, uh, goat farming. And he was a, he was one of the senior partners for the top five firms uh, in the world. And uh, he just wants to go back and do goat, goat farming. Really? That'd be it. But on the <laughs> other hand, I've got somebody who, who wants to be um, somebody who is a director level, wants to work 
to become a managing director for an international firm. And this person got it. This person got it. Mm. And in the beginning, uh, it was very simple. It was just trying to get that person to have that confidence and that conviction just to ask. And at that time, there were so many things that were, uh, that were blocking her. And she <laughs> says, um, yeah, but, you know, there isn't a position there. And there's already somebody there. And uh, I'm not really good enough. And, yeah, I'm a director, but I'm not at that level yet. And so I, we had to break down all the, those kind of barriers. And I, I spoke with her, I think, about four or five months ago. And she said, I got the job. And I said, great for you. Nice, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I want to know, like, for let's say somebody who's listening out there, he's a a corporate executive, or you know, somebody who is a higher up. Like, what would be the first advice that you would give them if they need, like, have the pain dip, like they have, they're in a plateau? Like, what is the first thing that you will advise them? Well, first of all, they definitely know they have to know who they are, right? Uh, they, they need to have a clear understanding on what their strengths and weaknesses and opportunities are, right? Uh, the thing that it has to be in a positive mindset. It has to be in a positive mind frame, right? Because if they don't do that first to get that personal um, assessment of how they are in, in their state of being, then the second step will not happen. Even though it's mm. like very clear, they've got a business plan that's about a hundred pages long. They've got spreadsheets, it's all analytical. But if they don't carry with them that attitude of positivism and even uh, an attitude of gratitude, it will not happen. It just mm. not will not happen. And that's why sometimes coaches, you know, they come at this early stage because they, 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 have, you know, they, have, they have no strengths attached. They have, you know, they, they have nothing to lose to tell you what you really are, what you really like. Of course, with love, without judgment. But hey, this is what's holding you back, right? So that positive mental attitude in the very beginning is, 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 is very important that they are clear about that. And the, the only way they can do that is if they have somebody else having an assessment on them and says, what do you think? You know, what do you think of my attitude? Is it, is it healthy or do you think I still have a lot of things? Well, yeah, you, you're still, you know, negative on this, you know, uh, you're not patient enough <laughs> or you get angry very easily or you get upset very easily. Right. Uh, you criticize too much. That tells you you're there. Right? Yeah. Even, even at the level of their success, at the height of their success, at the height of their, of their career, they plateaued because of that. Mm. So that's one. Second is they, uh, they need to have a purpose. It's got to be clear where they want to go. Right? And, um, and the third is that they need to, um, they really need to understand what is that they should not be doing? Mm, is what it those, is it that should not be doing? Yeah, that is that their negative like traits that you've mentioned, like that they start doing from the plateau. Yeah, they, they could be doing things that are not necessarily that not contributing from themselves. For example, maybe they get uh, to, uh, maybe they should not be uh, micromanaging somebody. Mm. Hey, the person's already there for 10, 15 years. He or she already knows her stuff. Why should you be micromanaging just because you have nothing to do or just because, you know, it just uh, means because you're a boss, right? Right. You might be micromanaging somebody too much. So what is it that you can eliminate a lot of things Mm. and just focus? If they have already the second step, which is determine where their purpose, where their mission, where they're heading, where direction, where they're going to go, then they can start eliminating that. Because as Marsha Goldsmith in his book, What Got You There Won't Get You There, they might, you might be able to get where you are at the height of success because you've done all these things, you know, 100 steps or 
thousand steps, whatever, but that step is not the same for you to reach to that next level. You can just ditch it. You can just burn it. You can just throw it away. Those steps that got you there yeah. is not going to get you the same because it's totally different. So, you know, your next level is, is a totally different environment, totally different kind of um, goals. It's totally different mindset altogether. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, every, like, what is it called? Like, every level has a new devil, right? Ever, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, that's what I would say to them. I said, uh, determine what you um, should not be doing and just really get a whole list of there. What can you automate? What can you delegate to others? Right. That's why they have a team. That's they're already on the top. What can right. you start delegating and start eliminating those things and just start focusing. What are the three, four, five essential things that you need to do in order to prepare for yourself to go to the next level. It's like focusing on their strengths, right? Yes. And their All priorities. Right. Awesome. Now, the thing is, not everything can be something that you enjoy doing. That's is the problem. Mm. Frequently, a lot in business, in being a leader in a corporation, or even if you're in a startup, not everything is something that you enjoy doing, okay? But if there's something there that isn't necessary, that you need to have to do it, then by all means, just got to do it. If you can delegate it, that's fine. But if it's something that you cannot delegate, then you got to do it. For example, let's say you, you enjoy creating and building, um, uh, you know, a, I don't know, maybe a digital platform or something like that. You, you enjoy doing the digital part. But there's, there's one part as a business owner or as a leader, you have to know your numbers, right? So it means you have to look at the accounts, the financial reports, you need to know your projections, you need to know your budgeting and all that. And you hate doing that. But you as a leader, you have to do it, right? right. And this is what a lot of creative people, they have problems with this. But if this is what it means that you need to be successful, then you, you have to do the dirty job of finding out the numbers, even though you hate doing it. Right, right. So it's positive mindset, a purpose, and knowing what not to do, yes. and you know, doing what has to be done. Exactly. And the last part of this equation, which actually I, I, I do group coaching uh, for, for uh, high-level people and executives, so I actually do these things. Right. Uh, the thing, step the, 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 the last step here that is essential for success, you need to have an accountability partner. You want to call that mentor. You want to call your boss, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, a coach or whatever. There has to be an accountability partner because we are our worst boss. We are our <laughs> own worst boss. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're at the top. You think you're at the top, you don't have anybody to be accountable for, except the stockholders or shareholders, but still, they're not going to look at your, your goals. They're not going to look at how you, how you operate. An accountability partner is there just to make sure that you are online and that, you're not, that you don't get distracted. Because nowadays, it's so easy to get distracted. You've got your handphone, you've got notifications, you've got WhatsApp, you've got COVID-19, you've got, you know, social media, uh, all the surroundings, you're so much distracted. We've never been so distracted in our life, amplified 10 times compared to maybe 15 or 20 years ago. This distraction has been amplified uh, so much. It is, it is really bad. People cannot focus now. Right. And it yeah, I mean, with the current, even just with the smartphone, I think the distractions is, there's a lot, right? Yep, exactly it, exactly mm. it. Yeah, and, and focus, to me, is a rare commodity. Really? It is such, a, it's, focus is such a valuable commodity. Even for executives? World. Yes, executives, they've got a thousand things that they have to look at, and they have to monitor and observe it's very difficult for them to focus right now. And one slight wrong move, that's it. Mm. It can cost a career, especially right. if you're in the plateau. Right. You, can, you, can get easily, um, you can easily get replaced. At the moment that you're in the plateau, you can get easily replaced by somebody else who already has that vision 10, 15 years ahead. 
That's why a lot of executives, particularly CEOs, get replaced very quickly, especially now, especially now. Wow. Right. And, in, you know, in the next episode, we're going to be discussing a bit more about how to be productive in isolation, right? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's right, right. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> All right. I can't wait to do that. Um, yeah. So before we wrap things up, I want to actually ask, like, where is Denny Suryo heading right now? Wow. That's a great question. You sound like my coach now. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Even coaches get coached. And I always believe that if you're going to be coached by somebody, make sure that coach is being coached as well. Wow. How can you call yourself a coach if you're not being coached and you're willing to invest in yourself, whatever the price is, right? Whatever Mm -hmm. the value is. But for me right now, I I really want to be the sought out coach, uh, particularly in this area for executives. And uh, I've looked at now specifically the, what I call the, Millennial managers, for me, I am passionate uh, really to work with the millennial managers right now because it's a tough world for them and they're struggling. And I know the fact that I could bring a value for them having years with me and having talked to, uh, you know, over 10 years uh, with a lot of executives, I really want to speak to those millennial managers and how to transform themselves and how to become an achiever. How do they become a performer, a high performer, a high achiever uh, in, that, in, in that group? Mm. Uh, these are the people, these millennium managers are living in a very, very difficult period right now because there's just so many things are happening. Now, even with a, with, without COVID-19, uh, alone is already challenging for them. And that's where I want to help right. them and expand even more and, and also uh, leave a legacy and hopefully I can uh, soon, uh, you know, at a point in time, I would help other coaches as well to become uh, better practitioners in the, in the coaching industry. Mm. Right, right. right. As, for, as for what you mentioned, millennial managers, like what is it that they, they kind of struggle with that you're so passionate to help? Well, at the same time right now, these millennial managers are already now having their own families, right? It's not the millennials that you think, you know, they were still very, you know, very hang loose, you know, socializing through the the media and all this. No, they've become more and more conservative right now. A Mm. lot of the millennial managers already are maybe having their first house or maybe they're renting their first house with, uh, with a spouse and a lot of them are having babies. Mm-hmm. At least some of them are having babies. I know my niece right now is having a baby. She is a successful uh, manager uh, working out of uh, Los Angeles. Now she's in Dallas, Texas, wow. All right. uh, working for a lot of known celebrities. So she manages her, their social media uh, for a lot of well-known artists. I think there's 10 well-known artists and one of them is Celine Dion. She's like, she is the, now, and now she she just moved into her she just uh, completed her house, so she's moving in with her husband, and she's now pregnant um, and soon to be in November, uh, God willing, uh, for a baby. And she's mm-hmm. a typical millennial manager for me, mm-hmm. and uh, and they love to learn. They want to learn. They want to, you know, they 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 like to study about other people, and a lot of them are well ahead to where some of the baby boomers, even Gen X, uh, generations before them, have actually reached because it took them longer to be where they are now. So the millennials right now are getting there a lot quicker and they're a lot knowing and, and, and much more ambitious. And I love working with ambitious and high performers. I love working with people who, who want to succeed. And to me, that's the kind of passion I want to work with. Yeah. Right. For me, I like to surround myself with people who also like to succeed, right? Well, people yes. like you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. most, of, most of my generation are already retired by now. Maybe. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, uh, if you were to leave maybe just one or two messages for people, what would that be? Well, you know, we're, we're talking about millennial managers, you know, I'm, I'm opening up right now. I'm uh, this new batch of uh, professionals and executives. 
you know, if they want to work with me, um, they can certainly get in contact. You know, uh, I've got an email address, Denny, D-E-N-N-Y, at Denny Suryo, S-U-R-Y-O. That's all in one word. So Denny at DennySuryo.com. They can just email me and uh, we can arrange a Zoom call or a Skype call and and just discover and uh, I could... I could work out a plan for them they want um, for this call, and uh, it's mm-hmm. it's free. It's a uh, way to just to to find out if we have a fit. Uh, if there's something that uh, you know we can work together on, but I definitely on that call would provide the best value I can. All right, and so all they right. can they can contact me there. Right? Awesome. So it's D E N N Y at D E N N Y S U R Y O dot com, right? Yes. Yes. All right, that's for our, our, right. our audience to contact you. Where else cool. can we find you? Any social media yeah. you want to promote? Yeah. Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn slash IN for Indonesia, IN slash Denny Suryo, same name, all in one word. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I don't do Twitter much because there's there's a guy <laughs> there with a, <laughs> with his golden hair is always there. So I'm kind of all staying right. away. Nothing political, you know, but it just it's not my yeah. thing. So, um, or uh, Facebook, Danny Surio. Mm. Yeah, I've got a. All right, actually, all right. They can all get right. me there and get me touched. Yeah, and I'm a real person, so they're not going to get they're not going to get a robot or something. So they got to connect with a real person. Like all right, well, uh, with that being Mr. Danny out, and sure, yeah. With that being said, I guess we can wrap things up. Dennis Surya, I'm really grateful that you have come here as my first guest here. This is a very good I'm conversation. I'm so honored. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Yeah. And I'm glad I've, I met you in Germany. You know, I know yeah. you're in Germany right now. So, yeah, all success to you. Yeah, all and success to you too. too. And that was our episode for today. What was your biggest takeaway? If you find this episode helpful, share your takeaways and send this episode to someone who will benefit from the conversation. And more importantly, Start implementing them in your life. Applied knowledge is power, and I want you to not just listen to my podcast, but also implement it in your day-to-day and get results from it. And with that being said, thank you for listening to Purpose Matters. Follow me, Steve Edward, on social media if you haven't. And remember to create your own story.